uctoday.com. Hello and welcome to Out Loud. Today we are covering a topic that I find particularly interesting, the different realms of virtual reality. One of the most exciting areas of emerging technology, virtual reality is creating quite a buzz within the industry, but does anyone really know how these technologies will be used? My guest today is someone who does. Amy Peck is a leader in the VR community and founder of both Endeavour VR, who are a leading VR and AR strategy and consulting firm, and co-founder of Boundless XR, which is a simulation and training platform. I started by asking Amy if she could explain to me, in simple terms, what the difference in all the different realms of reality was. Augmented reality, AR, is really, you know, when you've seen like Pokemon Go, it's really just when there's a digital object in your field of view. And, uh, you know, you're able to see your surroundings, but you might hold up your phone and you might see a digital object or character uh, or, you know, eventually we'll have wearable glasses and those will project uh, digital objects in your field of view. But you'll, you'll be able to see your surroundings. And then the other end of the spectrum is VR, virtual reality, where you go into a headset, you cannot see your surroundings and you're really fully immersed in an experience and it's a fully digital experience. And then in the middle of that is mixed reality where you, you know, as, as the user may actually appear, you know, in the digital landscape as yourself or as an avatar. And so that's, I think, where, where it does become a little bit confusing. And, but the nice thing is that, you know, in the future, as this technology takes hold, we're not really even going to refer to AR or VR to any of the realities. They're just going to be ubiquitous. And, and, you know, in the same way, we don't really refer to, you know, our, our, the technology behind our cell phones. We just, you know, use them on a daily basis as a computing platform. That's really particularly what AR is going to be in the future. It's going to be the next computing platform. So anything that you need to access on your mobile device or your laptop now, you will eventually be able to project into your field of view quite seamlessly. I always joke that instead of, you know, being able to ignore someone on your cell phone, you can now look directly at them and ignore them because you can have your text running next to their head if you'd like. Yeah, excellent. Oh, that's exactly what I need is more and more and more face-to-face <laughs> interactions. I have to ignore people going forward. Um, Amy, it, with Endeavor VR, you said you, you're mainly working, and, that, and that's you, your business. Would you just explain a bit more about that to listeners and, and, and what it is that you do? Yeah, so so in terms of strategy, you know, this is – it's the technology is so new – and, you know, there's some, some real business problems that the technology can solve. And I think the challenge for some companies is, you know, understanding, you know, its relevance towards, you know, specific business lines, but then also finding the right partners because it's, it's such a new industry. There are not a lot of, you know, you know, platforms that are out there yet. There's a few in each vertical but it's it's not like you know there's 20 or 50 very obvious solution providers for a particular side of the technology for, let's say simulation and training for example um, there's a few companies out there that have really great products, uh, but they may not necessarily be the right product for this company. In some cases, it's better for the company to develop their own simulation and training platform. Uh, but it really just depends on you know what the what the goal is and what the challenges they have within their business. And have you noticed that this that these 
the realms of reality or, or XR are, are sort of major buzzwords in the industry and they tend to be those sort of hot topic phrases and I think it's something that you've touched on where everyone is you know interested in them but potentially doesn't know what the practical applications are or how they can really help it's just that you know shiny new technology how, how do we integrate this within a business are there any particular verticals where you know this is particularly prevalent now and there are specific use cases for Yes, absolutely. And and I think that, um, you know, I work a lot with on the on the more kind of industrial side where it is simulation and training, remote technical assistance, uh, compliance training, safety training. Um, you know, that's really where we have a lot of data. And, and if we look back and, you know, you think about the military, um, aviation, uh, oil and gas, you know, they've been leveraging this technology for a long time. Uh, the challenge is uh, the technology hasn't been available to smaller businesses because the expense of having what we call a buck, which is really a, a big mock-up of, let's say, the inside of an aircraft, uh, that's incredibly and prohibitively expensive for most companies. And now, you know, with the advent of this technology, um, you can put on a headset and you can actually train uh, very highly technical, highly skilled concepts to, uh, you know, to the trainees. And and so now it's it's really become within reach for you know almost any company to utilize this technology in some way uh, to solve a particular problem. But you know, to go back to your question, you know, that this new this notion of new and shiny that is a challenge, and it's really important for companies not to use the technology for the sake of bringing in new technology, but to really define, you know, whether or not this technology is right for a particular to solve a, a particular problem. Um, so that's one of the things that we work with, and and there are multiple business lines that this technology touches. And one of the big challenges I have, you know, with with my company and my team, is going in and finding all of the you know one and two and three team cheerleaders within each company who are kind of ferreting away in their own separate silos. Um, and and it's hard it's hard for them to know that there's another you know two or three or even some cases you know 20 teams within the same company who are looking at XR um, and so I help to identify you know those teams and bring them together and, and also look for economies of scale so that they're not all building the same thing four and five times. No, absolutely. It's, as you said, it's a case of you know finding those evangelists within a business that you know, understand better the, the technology and, and how what the practical applications might be for the business as a whole. Exactly, exactly. Um, and you, you mentioned training. Can you give me sort of a a, a really basic, for, for a technical dummy like me, a, a really basic example of how they might be using XR in some way for, for training? Like you said then, so VR would be you effectively put on a headset and you're in a on an aeroplane and you could be training various things that would be maybe more difficult to do in an actual aeroplane so training of fire safety or, or anything like that yes yes exactly so one of the modules that uh, we've done a, a very lightweight demo uh, but it's something that every company uh, employee has to learn is um, you know how to how to use a fire extinguisher for example you think that it's very simple but if it's something that you don't know, in the case of a fire, you have very little time to react. And so, you know, this this is just a much more engaging way. You put the headset on. You're actually carrying a, you know, an actual um, fire extinguisher. 
and you're able to tell how how well you do in an actual fire as opposed to when you do you know the training normally you might watch a video you might take a little test saying you know did you pull the pin did you look left and right did you back away from the door did you know and and yes you know you can complete that but that doesn't necessarily prepare you for the actuality of a fire uh, but what going into VR and practicing does it actually shows you you know the smoke coming under the door so that's an indicator there may be fire there may be pressure buildup so you don't want to open that door uh, there's if there's a smaller you know or a set of smaller fires behind you it teaches you how to identify which ones you should go for first especially ones that are near electrical you know other electrical outlets um, so so those things when you've learned them in a visual way you're much more likely to retain them in an emergency and that's a very very simple example but we can take that type of training into, let's say, a, a remote oil derrick where there might be some, you know, a very dramatic accident, uh, which you can't replicate in real life, but we can actually walk that employee through the steps necessary to mitigate that you know, potential disaster and, and do it over and over and over again, and we call that you know, emergency reflexive response where we're really tra training that kind of second nature safety so that you're not dealing from a position of fear, you're dealing from a position of knowledge. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really good example because obviously, as we were saying with the, with the fire one, you know, potentially, you know, you, you can have training to use a fire extinguisher, but you can't have, you know, they can't simulate an explosion on an oil rig, you know, with, without ex effectively exploding an oil rig. So the, the only way to do it would be with some sort of XR. Yeah. Exactly. And you, you touched on this previously and, you know, said that there is potential for, for businesses of all sizes, you know, to leverage some sort of XR with, within their organization. But, but I am assuming, and this tends to be the case, you know, that I've found with, with a lot of emerging technology, that it does tend to start at the enterprise scale, because obviously you said you, you have to have that, um, you know, capability of, you know, cre creating the infrastructure. It, is it mainly during the, the sort of use cases we've used already our energy companies who obviously tend to be very large and have you know the the, the liquidity in terms of cash to you know to invest in in things like this have you seen it filtering down in terms of into you know smaller medium enterprise as well yes and we say medium enterprise you know there's there's a there's a whole swath of of companies that you know we're starting to engage at Endeavor VR um, that you know are more in the 200 to 800 million dollar range. Now that is not a small company by any stretch, but they don't necessarily qualify as you know enterprise per se. Um, but but the benefit there is that they're typically much more limber, and there's you know maybe one or two key stakeholders. Some of them are still family run or run by you know a small C-suite. Uh, so they're they're really able to make decisions quickly and test and deploy quickly. Uh, so so that's sort of an interesting kind of new um, you know realm that that we're seeing and, and a new trend that we're seeing. Um, but but the important thing is is that you know most of the things that these companies are building or or problems that they're looking to solve are fairly universal in business. So the benefit of these companies you know investing in the time to test the products and and deploy them at scale within their companies is that we get more and more knowledge. We have more and more solutions out there and that those solutions will then eventually be made available to even smaller companies still. Um, and, and compliance is a, is a very good example of that because I, I go back to the, you know, the fire extinguisher training 
sexual harassment training. There are a lot, lots of training that, that a company of any size needs to make sure that their you know, workforce is well-versed in. And so this is a, a way for them to be able to leverage the technology at not a great expense. And I suppose that just made me think of something I, you know, never considered that might be an advantage to in XR is that in the, in the new age of, you know, remote connected working where potentially people are working from home or all around the world, you, you, the, traditionally the, the only time that people have come into the office is when, is when they've had to do some sort of training where they actually have to be physically there. But I suppose the potential for XR is enables even further remote working if you could potentially put a headset on and jump into a, a training where you didn't have to, you know, maybe trek into the office. Yeah, absolutely. And there's um, there's a company in the UK that has a, a platform called Immerse.io, and they're working with a number of larger companies on exactly that. They're sort of it's you know remote training, and you know you know I was speaking yesterday with uh, PG&E, and they have state of the art training facilities. But it's a you know it's a loan, it's a standalone facility where they have you know built. Uh, very, very large scale examples of, you know, their real pipe fittings and a real flat and real electrical fittings so that it, their trainees actually have to physically go there, spend a couple of days. So that is very expensive. And while, you know, VR is not really set to replace any of those strategies, what it does do is it allows those trainees to have significant training before they actually go on site so that the on-site training is more efficient and potentially, you know, they can be there for a shorter period. But then, you know, they're learning a lot. So being able to have sort of, you know, a yearly review to make sure they understand all the concepts or if anything has changed in the training, that's a great place to, to use VR instead of having to send them back every single year to a remote facility. Um, and then using, you know, I think, you know, one of the really interesting things about VR uh, that, that people don't really consider, but I think is one of the, the you know, most misunderstood things is that, yes, it's, it, it is sort of born of gaming. And the engines used are unit, primarily Unity and Unreal, which are both game engines. But the beauty of those game engines is that you're able to build in interactivity sort of in an infinite way and any kind of environment. And we can even bring in, you know, scale CAD models of buildings, of structures or, you know, whatever the company needs to train on. And it's a it's an incredibly effective tool and it makes it lightweight and it's easy to change. And there are a lot of development resources out there, you know, who, are, who, who know both Unity and Unreal very, very well. Um, so it's, it's, it's an incredible solution sort of across the board. It's really just identifying where you want to start and then how to tie all the business lines together. Um, one of the things we talk about is building, you know, a 3D digital asset library. And what that means is, for example, you might have, uh, we work with a hotel group, for example. And so they will scan their, you know, all the furnishings or a redesign for, you know, certain rooms or lobby areas. But then the marketing team can use that to market to, you know, at trade shows or if it happens to be a, you know, hotel where there are franchises to the franchisees. And then it can also be used uh, as consumer-facing experience as well. So being able to leverage those assets across multiple business lines gives you that, you know, more economy of scale again. Absolutely. And I suppose as the technologies develop and the 
you know, cost of deployment and the cost of potential headsets comes down and the availability, you know, the, the, the possibilities only increase in terms of direct communication with, with consumers in that sense as well. Exactly, exactly. I think we forget that consumers, you know, also happen to work at enterprise entities and, and that's where we find a lot of our evangelists and they may be, they, some of them, you know, may be gamers at home, but then they have a job at, you know, at, at, in R&D at a, you know, at a bigger enterprise. And so they're the ones that, that you know, kind of draw that line from gaming into, oh, wait, we could actually use it for this. And, and then they start working away and, and you know, that's, that's a, a, a great way to, to start. And then typically where we will come in, we'll first just do, you know, a, a half day training for C-level executives because that's one of the issues is that there's a lot of misconception. There are some C-level executives who really understand the technology and stay on top of it. And there are others who, you know, have heard of it and it's on their radar, but they don't, they're not really thinking about it in, in terms of, you know, how it can affect the business. Uh, so we'll come in and, and we'll do a high level overview, you know, by vertical and kind of share with them what other companies in the space are doing and what can be done, then we put them in the headset. And I have to tell you, the greatest part of my job is putting people in VR for the first time <laughs> ever been in VR because they react in such a fantastic way. And sometimes we do very lightweight experiences, like I put people in Tilt Brush, which is a, a Google product that you can just paint in, you know, 3D and, and you can pick different brushes and different colors and stars and fireworks and it's it's pretty remarkable to see you know these suited executives who you know are typically very business like during their day get in there and they're drawing swirls and they're of course invariably writing their name and then making a hula hoop around themselves and but what that really does is it sort of frees them from their previous conception of what the technology might do. And then we break out into you know, much smaller sessions. And I usually bring in a couple of uh, subject matter experts relative to that company's uh, vertical in the market. And then we just have you know, a brainstorming session. And it's really exciting to see them you know, come up with incredible ideas and incredible ways that the technology might work. And so we take all of those ideas and we start to distill them down into the ones that we really feel would be um, the, the sort of easiest to execute, would, would cause the, you know, the least amount of stress in terms of the existing workflows. And we just start from there. And it's, it's again, that credo sort of start small, test, 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 and then deploy. And I completely understand what you're saying because I have small experience of, you know, the more basic um, VR t technologies. And there is nothing funnier than than watching someone in a headset as they think they're flying or on a roller coaster. Uh, that that personally for me is is brilliant. <laughs> I agree. I love it. It's it's, it's always fun. Um, and and obviously, one thing we're really interested here at UC today about is is collaboration technology. And one thing we haven't touched on, we, you've given us some great use cases you know, within business specifically, but the, I always, when I first think of XR, I think of the possibilities of, and say in, in the future, when you know that we both have the headset technology, you and I could be effectively sitting at the top of the Eiffel Tower virtually having this conversation. It, it, is, is that somewhere you see a huge, you know, amount of expansion? I think Cisco did did demonstrate some sort of virtual collaboration where they had people in a meeting. But is, is that somewhere that you see there's a huge, you know, potential expansion for? Yes, it's it's really one of the more exciting, uh, you know, avenues that we look at. And automotive has already embraced this technology in, in terms of the design teams. Um, you know, and it's very expensive. And, and a lot of times, 
you know, automotive companies will will sort of build these sort of full scale replicas of the cars of the future, and they will literally ship them back and forth um, for real kind of design iterations. But now, using VR, these remote teams who might be in two or three different countries can actually be together in the environment, work with the design, see you know the different lighting aspects, different colors, uh, be able to sort of sit in the interior and and you know look at the ergonomics of of that particular design of that particular vehicle, and it's an incredible time saving uh, device. And so that's just one piece. But then thinking about you know board meetings and even just you know your everyday meetings where you really need to be looking at the the same and particularly 3D objects, but it doesn't necessarily have to be 3D objects. There are already a few solutions out there where you can bring in, you know, I'm not necessarily promoting going into VR than to look at a PowerPoint, but you, you can actually. <laughs> But you can actually pull in 2D and 3D uh, information and data and models and work around them. And, you know, healthcare is another great avenue for that. And I even see the healthcare of the future, you know, where you can bring in a 3D patient scan, let's say a brain scan of a, of a tumor, for example, and you could not only have three doctors who are in three different locations, really looking at it from three entirely different medical perspectives. And, and that combination, I think, change sort of patient outcomes in the future, um, you know, in education as well, sort of that same concept. You know, you have, you know, children from different cultures in the same environment. I think, you know, I did a, a, a talk in Munich last year a, about just this and, and, you know, being able to sort of strip away the politics and, and really what they're bringing into that environment is their knowledge, their curiosity, and their passion. But they are bringing in their culture so that we're able to sort of allow for our global differences in that environment, but yet, you know, face the same way, solving problems together. And again, I think this can be incredibly impactful moving forward in, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, it's just something we're, we're really interested to see how it develops. And I suppose, you know, the, the possibilities in that case are endless. I mean, I always envisage, you know, myself attending a sort of virtual meeting, you know, atop Niagara Falls, although how much attention I'd be playing to the meeting is, you know, entirely debatable. So I suppose there's a compromise there to be had, isn't there? Yes, but it, but it actually, I mean, that's a great sort of, you know, uh, solution for tourism. Yep. You know, even though it's you may not be getting a lot of business done, but you could travel to places that, well, either you're thinking of going to and and learn the the customs of that particular culture, or just sort of travel around the world and see what's out there and see where maybe you'd like to go, or just experience places that you know you know you'll never get to, but at least you'll get to sort of see the sites and it's it's pretty exciting and it's. You know, I, I, that's another one of the experiences, you know, we put people through is, is Google Earth. Uh, and Google Earth and VR is really fun. And the first thing people do typically is they find their house and they fly over their house. Uh, but, then they, but then they find some, you know, cool corner of the, of the world to fly to. And, and it's really exciting. So, you know, again, that's, that just sort of shows the breadth of, of industries that this, this technology will touch. And then we'll touch people on a very personal level as well. Yeah, that's, that's it's a strange human response, that isn't it? You can, you know, fly potentially anywhere in the world virtually. I know I'll go to my house where I am every day. But I suppose, like you said, it's that bringing it, you know, per, that personalization. It brings it back to yourself. Um, Amy, just um, if if people want to find out more about uh, you know Endeavor VR and what you do, how, how do they get in touch? What's the best way for them to do that? 
Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at, at virtualgirlny or just via the website, endeavorvr.com, but I don't have the British U in the middle. <laughs> so it's just E-N-D-E-A-V-O-R-V-R.com. Yeah, have problems I bet, when we do it before. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I, I am going to buy that domain name and I will, you know, with the U and I'll point it because I'm doing so much work in Europe. Um, so that, so I will do that. Um, but yes, the, either the website or find me on LinkedIn. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, you know, I'm on, I'm on the usual suspects as far as social media are concerned. Brilliant. Oh, well, Amy, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on the pod. Thanks so much. It was great. Really great insight from Amy there into the different realms of reality. So massive thanks to her for coming onto the podcast. I didn't even get to ask her if we were definitely living in the real world now or if this was some sort of virtual simulation. Anyway, there's lots of content on our website about VR and AR as it's an area that we're really interested in. So if you want to know more, head over to uctoday.com. Also, if you have an interesting emerging technology story, please get in touch with us via LinkedIn or Twitter at UC Today News. Thanks for listening.